I I just want to say, Blackwing, you cowards. <laughs> yeah, so it's called. It's Give called us the this one thing. It's called the Blackwing Mat. Hello, and welcome to episode 133 of the Erasable Podcast. I'm Andy Welfley, and joining me tonight, as always, are Tim Wassum and Johnny Gamber. Hey, guys. Hey, Andy. Hey, How's it going? Hey. Less than and a month. Less than a month. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm counting down. Just jumping right yeah. in. Oh, yeah. I'm um, cleaning my apartment like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> More on that later. Um, yeah. Also on this podcast, uh, we have um, everybody's favorite uh, pencil lady, Caroline Weaver, who you might recognize as the proprietor of the world's most famous pencil shop, CW Enterprise in New York City. Hey, Caroline. Hi, guys. So excited to have you on. And uh, we're going to be talking uh, after Fresh Points with her about her new book, um, Pencils You Should Know, which is a really delightful book. So we'll get into that in a bit. But uh, first, let's talk about tools of the trade. Um, Caroline, what are you uh, consuming and writing with and writing on? Um, well, I, uh, if anybody works in the stationary biz or any retail business, um, you know that it is trade show week, which is a very busy week. There are multiple trade shows happening in New York. So I've been in my limited alone time binging a lot of bad TV while also including the new Taylor Swift documentary which I watched at work yesterday when Alex banished me to my office to do the next pencil box insert, which is a project that I always dread. Um, <laughs> it's really stressful because I handwrite them and they have to be spaced properly and they have to like be straight and I have to fit everything in. It's horrible. So I watched that while I was doing it. And um, I'm not a huge T-Swift fan, but I shed a couple of tears towards the <laughs> end. It was a really good documentary. Like the production value was super high um, and it was really, really good. I highly recommend it to anybody, even if you don't like Taylor Swift. Um, we I also heard... share a birthday, Taylor Swift and I, Ooh, December nice. 13th. Nice. I, I don't know if you guys know who Margot Price is. Uh, but she's uh, in that Americana world and she she tours with like Jason Isbell and Chris Stapleton and those guys. And and she had a really funny tweet the other day. It was like, hey, I really enjoyed the Taylor Swift documentary, but it's only adding to the confusion about what Americana actually is. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, ta- if Taylor Swift is considered Americana, then um, but I, I'm dying to dying to watch that myself. And I'm not even a huge T-Swift fan. Either. That is a very fair point. Makes me, yeah, it's a it's a very good documentary, though. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I guess I, um, lazy about this this week. I've had a very short Scott's pine pencil in my ponytail all day mm-hmm. to the point where it kind of like exited the, where the ponytail is and just kind of started living like underneath my hair, um, <laughs> which is a thing that's problematic because if it's in there for a couple hours without me using it, I'll take my hair out and forget that it's in there and then it just falls on the floor and it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> there are people around, but um, it's short. It's like, from... <laughs> we need a, we need a name for something that's between a um, Steinbeck stage and a um, bullet pencil stage. And maybe that is uh, ponytail. ponytail stage. That's like yeah. ponytail length. Yeah. It's good. Cause it doesn't like stick out too far. It's not a safety hazard when it's short. Cause it's like mostly in your hair. Yeah. Um, but it's really easy to forget that it's in there. And I do this a lot. And there have been times when I've like gone to bed and like left my hair as it is. And I'll like fall asleep and wake up and there are just like graphite marks on my pillowcase. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's a legitimate problem, but I really like the Karen Dash Scott's Pine Pencil, and so I'm happy that that was the one I had today. Nice. How about you, Tim? Uh, I just watched a movie yesterday, or I guess it was two days ago, that I know Johnny is a a fan of, and I might have mentioned it before when I made my trip to the the Hemingway house, but I finally finished watching it. Genius, which is the movie about Thomas Wolfe and Max Perkins, his editor, who was also the editor for the early Hemingway and Fitzgerald books. And man, was it a good movie. Really enjoyed it. It's about the relationship between this writer and like a famously prolific writer and uh, his editor and a lot of pencil action in it. And I ended up uh, looking into it afterwards. And, and so his writing method, I mean, Thomas Wolfe was this like big eccentric and he's, he lived in, he grew up in Asheville, North Carolina, which is close to here. So like the concert place that we like the concert hall that we go to is named after him. So he's a big, kind of a big deal around here, but his, his writing method, which is fascinating is that he, he preferred pencil. He only used pencil when he was writing and he would typically write while standing and he would write on top of his refrigerator, which refrigerators were smaller then, but he was six seven, so he was this big <laughs> guy. And he would write. Uh, he, when asked, he said that he would write between five and six thousand words a day. Jeez. Um, wow. When he when he turned in the the manuscript for You Can't Go Home, or is that what it's called, or You Can't Go Home Again? Yeah. His his, his final novel that came out after he died, the manuscript was over a million words. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. And like so, like when he brought his second novel in to Max Perkins after uh, *Look Homeward, Angel*, uh, he's he kind of sheepishly comes in. He's like, "I finished my manuscript." He's like, "All right, we'll bring it in." And then he like leans back and tells somebody to help him, and they come in with three crates full of paper, which ended up being a true story as well. Um, Kind of amazing, all handwritten on like loose leaf paper uh, that he he showed up at his editor's uh, house with. Also, I read that he he used pencils so often and was. Uh, and wrote so much that he had on his index finger a permanent, like heavy callus that had an indention of a pencil, like a a hex pencil on his finger. Wow! Uh, which I thought was a, a great That's little detail. Good. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> oh my god! So it's a, it's such a good movie. Um, I would, uh, Colin Firth plays Max Perkins, his editor, and Jude Law plays Thomas Wolfe, and uh, Nicole Kidman plays Thomas Wolfe's like. Uh, benefactress i guess you'd call her or something like that but and uh dominic west was a really good hemingway for that one yeah, scene was. i was surprised I'm like wow there's some really like intimate kind of heartbreaking scenes with fitzgerald fitzgerald's like in perkins's office and uh he's out of money and he's trying to pay for zelda's uh, expenses and being in the mental health facility and then there's another one where they have dinner with Zelda and Thomas Wolf shows up like hammered and just like gets Zelda all riled up and it's uh, it's painful but it's just it's really well done so I would I highly recommend that movie and uh, yeah I've been listening to actually Henry and I my, my son Henry and I have really gotten into OK Akumi who uh, Andy you exposed me to when we did oh, our yeah. writing, writing music episode the, that right. does like the 99% invisible music and yeah. man did it blow that kid's mind when he when i told him that this, <laughs> this music was made with computers he was just like what like, like what? with computers like what does that mean and i was like i don't know <laughs> i don't know 
an open garage band and let him try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like let's do it. Make some. But he man, he loves it. And so tonight, uh, I was up as right before we were recording or we reading, and he has gets a book that gets sent home to read every night. And this was the first one that the teacher sent home that was beyond just like a little kid's book. And so it was like, you know, like seventy pages or something, and more words on the page than he's used to. And he was like really like working hard to get through this whole book and did a really great job. And we put on OK Akumi um, as we were as we were reading it. And he was I feel like it gave him strength. So <laughs> we got through that book and it was it was a really proud moment for him. And I feel like he, he was just like happy to have that music on because we've been enjoying it uh, this week. And uh, lastly, reading wise, I've been kind of jumping around between several things. But one thing uh, on the, I, I got to it via recommendation from the fellows on Take Note, but uh, they had recommended a stoic, like a daily stoic philosopher's reading book that I found, which led me to buying a copy of uh, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations at Malaprops in Asheville, which I've really been enjoying and reading and it made me want to re- watch uh, Gladiator again, <laughs> which is totally like not true. That's not how he died. Oh, not even close. <laughs> Which I knew that, but it's still I just had fond memories of that movie. But, but Richard Harris is a really good uh, likeness for Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, he was good. He did a good job. But uh, really enjoying that. So meditation is just like reading that a little bit every day, and um, it's helping me be a more patient teacher. I feel like so. Uh, yeah, and I am writing with a Mitsubishi ninety-eight fifty-two EW, and I am writing in the Nels Klein uh, Wilco field notes. How about you, Johnny? Awesome. So um, I just read The Unbearable Lightness of Being, which I think that goes on Johnny's Everybody's Read It But Me reading list or book club. Have any of you read this book or all of you have read this book? I've I've read it twice. Yeah, I've read it a while ago, but yeah. I feel so behind. (laughs) I'm (laughs) behind you then. Yeah, it makes you want to take like several lovers. But uh, that's impractical <laughs> at this juncture of my life. That is the uh, <laughs> that is the episode intro. I mean, I just turned forty. I think that'd be a little cliche. <laughs> but um, I haven't seen the film yet. But it has um, Daniel Day Lewis, and you know, pretty much watch anything he's in. Mm-hmm. So that could be fun when I have three hours to spare. Um, and I also read a book called "When in Doubt, Make Belief," which is sort of one of those. If you have OCD, this book will make a lot of sense to you. And if you don't, you're like, I'm staying away from everybody I know who has OCD because that's weird. But um, yeah, he's this. It's by Jeff Bell, who's a, apparently a radio personality. So I heard him on a podcast, which is where I heard about this book. And he's got like the silkiest voice. He makes Tim sound like me. So, like he's pretty <laughs> amazing. No offense, Tim. <laughs> no offense, you. I guess I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we were trying to limit ourselves to three things, but I read his other book um, between last night and this morning because it was really, really good. And it was one of those books that has like a really nice bricky feel to it. You don't want to put it down with like a matte cover, you know, just the right dimensions. Um, And I just, speaking of people I would watch anything with in, I'm a big fan of Tom Hardy. So we watched Legend the other night. It's on Netflix. I think they added it recently, but it's four or five years old. It's about some uh, twin gangsters in the East End of London, and Tom Hardy plays both of them. And it's, like, super violent. And uh, without a lot of guns, super violent. And, uh, man, like, I blushed the language in that movie at a few points. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, if you if you're if you want to watch something that's kind of frantic, it was a cool movie. Plus, Tom Hardy's pretty much amazing all the time. And um, that's it. I am writing with a Tennessee Red. Oh wait, I'm a liar. I put it down. I'm writing with a Swiss Wood from the pencil store. I don't know what it's called. It's a light one. That's the same one I'm writing with. It's a Scott's oh. Pine. Oh, awesome. Pencil cheers. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually writing with like what all the various scraps of papers around my desk because I can't find a notebook that's not full. <laughs> so, yay. Yeah. How about you, Andy? Well, um, I just finished reading a um, book by a local sci-fi author named Mike Chen. Uh, he wrote a book called The Beginning at the End, and it takes place... He wrote this way before the um, the coronavirus, but he his book takes place six years in the future after a um, virulent strain of the flu just like the kills half of the world's population and everybody's just sort of rebuilding their societies. Um, it's uh, a <laughs> it's, so it's, it's very timely. Um, hopefully we, <laughs> we won't get to that point, but it, he's a, he's a San Francisco local. And so the, the book takes place here and it's just really interesting and well thought out. And, uh, his, the kind of like tagline of this book is, you know, what if, what if it wasn't the end of the world? What if we just paused for a while? And it's about how, you know, like unlike station 11, which is that book about like, you know, if a virus mm. wipes out like 95% of the population. This is just like, what if it wipes out like half the population? What do you do then? <laughs> and it's, uh, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, there's still infrastructure, there's still society. There's just like a few key subtle things that change. And, you know, people, people six years down the line might like, you know, may not come out in public a lot or really want to be around each other or, you know, people might need counseling because every single family probably has some some loved ones who died. And it's just kind of like, what do you do when like everybody has like trauma over that? And it's a uh, it's a pretty despite all that, it's a pretty light read and it goes really fast. <laughs> um, so it's a it's like not a full feel good novel. Of the, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, there's a there's a plot. There's some interesting characters in it. There's a there's actually an interesting kind of like Taylor Swifty type character, a pop star who um, kind of goes missing after after all this happens. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty good book. Um, Was it because she supported a, a Democrat in Tennessee? Yes, that's totally it. Is that why <laughs> no, she went missing? Okay, I think so. No, um, <laughs> this particular character has a. Uh, kind of controlling father who has manipulated or kind of like controlled her into being, you know, like a pop star. And the, this, this outbreak kind of like gave her an excuse to break free and, and go off and start a new life. So uh, not super Taylor Swifty, but that's that definitely good. who I was picturing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, have you, have you all heard of or listened to the Flophouse podcast? No, mm, no. no. It is every episode they basically talk about a, a like a bad movie, and it's usually some like an like an old bad movie or, you know, like Paul Blart Mall Cop or something. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But <laughs> they had a really really great two hour episode about uh, the Cats movie, and they kind of like step through it scene by scene, and it's just really funny the way that they talk about it. Um, and they had a they had a special guest who not only a attended the premiere of Cats, but b was like the plus one for uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. So uh, she was like his, his she was his date to the premieres specifically because his wife didn't want to go. So 
Um, so not only do you get like some color from the um, from the premiere, or excuse me, from Cats, but you also hear a little bit about how the premiere went, which is really interesting. Um, and finally, I'm going to talk about uh, Shrill Season 2, which is uh, we watched in the, its entirety this weekend. Oh, geez, uh, I didn't know there was Season 2 already. Yeah, Season 2 is out. Um, super good. Super, super good. A.D. Bryant's just a treasure. So definitely recommend checking that out if you haven't. Um, yeah, and finally, um, I am writing with, um, like Tim, the Mitsubishi 9852EW. Um, Tim, I don't know where you got yours, but I got mine in a really delightful little pencil bouquet that came along with the <laughs> advanced Yay! copy of the that I'm reading. Um, and we we sort of decided to make that the pencil of the month already, so it's yeah. like super fitting. Spoilers! Yay! <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I've had this. I've used this pencil before, but I kind of forgot what a delight it is. Um, yeah, so, this is like one of my favorites. So I've, I've I had like we and you guys were like. Talking about that as an option, and I have like three dozen in my closet, so I, I, was, I was ready. <laughs> so, thank you, Caroline, for sticking this in that that pencil bouquet. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um. Cool. And I'm writing in my uh, custom-made pocket notebook by a coworker of mine, which I posted in the group and on Instagram. Just a really Hi. cute little pocket notebook, and she was take she took my recommendation for using the same Strathmore paper that is inside the dime novel. So it's like kind of delightfully toothy um and then she put this really cool sort of like fountain fade dot grid in it that kind of fades from one color to another um in the middle so it's really gorgeous pocket notebook oh that's awesome all right should we uh, hop into fresh points and uh, caroline would you like to get us started with that okay um well as far as shop news goes um it's we're in our most boring time of year, so there's not really much going on except a lot of admin things and really, really boring things that you don't need to hear about. But um, our fifth birthday is coming up in March next month, which is weird. Yay. Wow, five years feels like a lot, but it also kind of feels like I've there's never been a time when I wasn't doing this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it's um kind of wild. Um. I'll admit it seemed I couldn't believe it's only been five years. Yeah, like if yeah, it, true. in some ways it feels like it's been more, but in other respects it doesn't. I don't know. In New York City, it's a really big deal to make it to five years. Um, so at least in like retail landscape of New York City, it feels like a big deal um, that we've made it that long. Yeah. Because most businesses don't. Um, but yeah, we're trying to get out some really exciting uh, new exclusive product. There are some things that we're working on not all of which will be available in March just because I don't think it's going to happen in time. Um, but that's really fun. Uh, I am planning my next trip to Japan and starting to think about maybe opening a shop there. What? Yeah. It's, um, I always thought I didn't want a second shop because I really didn't think there was another market that could like support it the way that New York does. And I also thought like I would never be able to open a shop in a place where there are enough of the right type of people to run it for me. <laughs> but um, after um, my crazy year of Japan that I had last year, I have been reminded that there's very much a market for it and it would be very welcome. 
And I personally would love to have more reasons to go to Japan more often. Okay. Uh, so we'll see on this upcoming trip. I'm it's go. I'm well planning it as like a part vacation trip, part um, part work trip for another book event. Um, because if you haven't heard this, my first book, The Pencil Perfect, was published in Japanese in December. Nice. Um, so I'll be going for another book event, and I'm gonna st- start to like put out my feelers about yeah. Well, if you shop. want. If you want to open a shop that's halfway to Tokyo, there's always San Francisco. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I mean, know. you could help out there, uh, the horrible economy in Baltimore. <laughs> nobody would, no, nobody would buy enough pencils in Baltimore. Um, I mean, you could sell guns also. <laughs> Probably. CW can guns. Actually, you can't. We have, we have really stripped. That'll just confirm all the skeptic suspicion that we're a cover-up something. (laughs) And I don't want to prove it right. We have oddly tough gun laws here. That's a good... Um, Maybe dispensary? No, I think... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We don't want to dilute the brand, guys. No, yeah. I don't want to jeopardize all of this. Um, I I think Tokyo would be just fine. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not trying to open a shop in every city. It would be a big stretch for me to even try to do a second one. Um, But that's what I've been fantasizing about lately. I I did this press conference in Tokyo in December and um, somebody during the Q&A portion of this very terrifying and very formal press conference, somebody asked me if I would open a shop there and I said yes and they were very excited. Um, So I don't know. We'll see. Nice. Well, congratulations yeah. on five years and and maybe a Tokyo. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> January is our most boring month. It's our slowest month of the year. So we do really, really boring things like we do like a website audit where we make a list of everything that needs to be updated on our website. And we like do things like relabel all the jars in the shop and clean them, which is a lot of glass to clean <laughs> and a lot oh, of ways to write. So I ended up just watching like a lot of garbage TV because I just need something on in the background while I'm writing labels that say pretty much the same thing over and over and over again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we do inventory. We do all that delightful stuff that you have to deal with when you run a shop. Maybe, Caroline, we should make a font out of your handwriting. I've thought about that before, actually. That's a great idea. Um, My friend Adam Kurtz does all of his work um, like in his like it's his handwriting literally everything he does he's um he's done a couple books and he's an artist and he made a font out of his handwriting and he knows cool. a guy who could do it for me so i don't know maybe that's next <laughs> yeah. that's something i've been wanting to do for my wife for like 10 years because she has really cool handwriting and i didn't i didn't even order to start to try to make that kind of thing happen it's yeah. a cool idea yeah cool Tim, how about you? How about your fresh points? Yeah. Uh, first off, in 25 days, count them 25 days, the three of us will be together in uh, Baltimore and Washington, D.C. for the show. And so uh, on Friday, February 28th at 8 p.m., we'll be having our live recording. And so if you're going to be at the show and are considering you know, at the the pension owner considering coming to our live recording there at the at the Baltimore Washington International Pen Show, 
please go to our website at erasable.us slash Baltimore, and you can uh, reserve a seat at the show. So there's just a few questions you have to answer. Once you get there, just, you know, first of all, tell us if you're coming to the pen show itself, and then tell us, and there's a little drop, or a, a little uh, multiple select, as we'd call it in the teaching profession, where you a squire are you a patron uh, patron of erasable just because if we get an overflow then we'll we'll try to give uh, sort of preferential seats to people who've been supporters of the show just in the limited space that we've got and then of course telling us your name and your email address and how many tickets you need one or two uh, because we really want to see you and we just want to know who's there the tickets don't cost anything you just need to reserve a seat um, at the event by the way several of you have reached out about you know, ticket availability and everything. And, and just know this week, I think we're going to like kind of walk through them and figure out how we're going to distribute tickets. Cause like, do we want paper tickets or do we just want to put names on a list or what? But we'll have some confirmations for those of you um, who've asked about this soon. So yeah. stay tuned. And uh, cool. any, any extra tickets we'll, we will print off and like JLo style shoot out in a money gun in the middle of the pen show. <laughs> I uh, hope so. Yeah. No, you should like hide them. Just like tape them on the wall like, around <laughs> the pen show. We could put them around scary parts of Baltimore. <laughs> sure. I'll let, I'll let you do that, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could put, well, never mind. Historic <laughs> graves. <laughs> yeah. But yes, we'll, we'll decorate graves with them. So yeah. go to the, Go to the grave of, of Edgar Allan Poe and get a ticket to our show. I think John um, Wilkes Booth we'll is buried here, too. Limerick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got lots of options. So <laughs> do we need a volunteer for someone to be like a bouncer? Mm. Brad. I think, I think Caroline. Oh, you think Brad? Well, I can be yeah. a bouncer. Yeah. Okay. That sounds I good. Yeah. Could do I wonder if my fireman friend would do it. He's terrifying looking. <laughs> as long as he doesn't talk to you, because if he talks to you, you'll realize he's super nice. Yeah. And then the illusion is lost. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, just wanted to just get on there and, 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 and reserve a seat. We are now discussing in the doc that it says 8 p.m. on our website. We're not sure if it's 7 or 8, but we will confirm <laughs> we'll, that. We'll confirm that. <laughs> on Twitter or elsewhere in the next episode. So we'll just make sure. But um, just if you did reserve a spot on our website, just just check back in the next couple of weeks and make sure that time doesn't change because that would be an enormous bummer if that's what and, happens. So oh, um, we should mention uh, where it is. Where is it? Oh, the BWI Airport Marriott. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. That's not in Baltimore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only the other thing I've is? got. Is... Yeah. Okay. So on the bright side, people who are coming down on the train, there's a rail station at BWI that Amtrak doesn't advertise very well. Uh, Johnny, it looks like you are correct. Uh, I'm looking at the BWI website right now, and they have us listed as a 7 p.m. Uh, <laughs> so make that 7 p.m., not 8 p.m. I will update the <laughs> the website. Oh, well, here I, you go, I remember something. You just, earned your, you just earned that PhD. So <laughs> I owe it all to Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm kidding. <laughs> you should read I have an entire book of poetry that I write to Adderall I'll show you guys when you're in town <laughs> love note to Adderall yeah. alrighty and the I only mean, other it's, thing it's, it's erotic poetry actually <laughs> good alright obviously <laughs> obviously okay 
Um, the only other thing I have is that Blackwing uh, have come out with new packaging and some new designs for the 602. Is it is it for the 602 and for the others? It's for um, all of them, right? Yeah, yeah all of them. They're, they're changing all of them. So just to kind of give a summary of what they've done, and then I want to definitely want to get you guys to chime in on your thoughts. They have, first of all, on the pencil, they have altered the... Uh, the font to be more of just like a straight up and down vertical block style font, and they've removed Palomino from uh, from the body of the pencil. Which um, my main beef with that, which I'll just go ahead and say, is that those awesome little trees are gone. Um, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think of that. This one kind of makes me sad when I see it. Um, <laughs> Just oh, gonna geez. say it. Just gonna say that it makes me kind of sad. It, it looks like a knockoff of itself in some ways, but <laughs> um, so they but they also redone the packaging, which this is great. Uh, they've re- redone the packaging, gotten away from the black uh, boxes, and now it's kind of a sleeve with a cap on top of the sleeve, which I think these look pretty cool. It's kind of a mm-hmm. a square sleeve. It's really I can already see them on the shelf and see how tidy and cool they could look. I'd love to see get a better shot of what it looks like on the top and the bottom of the box. You can kind of see the top on the box on the the picture on the Blackwing six hundred two website. Uh, but I'd like to see, yeah, just what that would look like to see them all stacked, you know, uh, laying down. But what do you guys think? What do you what do you think of these changes? Can we can we talk about the uh, matte black elephant in the room? Yeah. So, you know, all of our hopes <laughs> of them calling the the black one the MMX have been dashed because now it has a name and it's not MMX. <laughs> and like my heart has died a little bit. I hmm. I just want to say, Blackwing, you cowards! <laughs> yeah, so it's called. <laughs> It's Give us this wing. one thing. It's called the Blackwing Mat. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. It's like renaming yeah. a kind of mac and cheese like mac and cheese yellow or something. <laughs> yeah. It just, really bums me out too. I mean, it's it's well, descriptive say, and accurate. A, yeah, as a retailer, that's what we've always called it, and I am just I don't at this point I don't even care what it's called. I am just happy that it has a name because people get so confused. No, this is just the Blackwing. <laughs> no, wait. No, I, like, but Blackwing is a brand, not a pencil. I, just the I totally get it. Yeah, yeah I totally I get why they did it. Because, as Caroline said, yeah, like this is something that is more descriptive, and the MMX is like requires extra extra explanation. So, yeah, I understand the Blackwing mat. Um, but man, <laughs> we're just gonna have to, you know, try try for the next redesign, I guess. Well, maybe they'll do an MMXX in October for the. 10th anniversary. They'll do a or they could just volume, do the Blackwing X. X. Yeah. Blackwing <laughs> X, and it's like, I don't know, a negative of itself. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I just, I can't get over, like, just, this is, this is a very, I don't know, over the top reaction. But when I look at the new design, like, especially on the 602, the one I'm looking at right now, it's just, there's not enough on it. I wanted it to go the other direction. Like, I wanted them to add wood clinched to it. And I wanted them to, like, just keep, like, because I love those old original black wings that are so wordy and they've got stuff all over them, you know, and all the little designs and all this stuff. Yeah. And now it's right. just too, like, hipster minimal. And I just, it kind of makes me, it just kind of bums me out. So, just yeah. going to say, I, mean, I really like 602. I cool. like the font they choosed a lot. I don't yeah, know why it, they decided to mess with it. 
I mean, it looks cool. Like, I'm not like upset they changed it. Maybe just confused about why they would. I imagine this cost a lot of money and a lot of trouble. Yeah, I like, but I like, like the font as well. Like, I'm yeah. with you on that. There's a lot of shade online today. A lot of folks are very upset. I mean, I'm not upset. Well, I, I just hope that this branding sticks. I feel like they change their branding all the time about what yeah. like the actual brand is called. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised that they dropped the Palomino, but yeah, part of the branding. But like the the type has changed several times. Like I, I just I just hope it sticks. I'm just tired yeah. of it changing. Eventually, it's gonna be the the Blackwing DCII or something like <laughs> the, getting more like the, further the off. The thing yeah. that I the thing that I don't quite understand is, um, you know, the the like little logo that they've been putting on stickers and stuff with the the B with all the kind of lines around it. They call that Carolyn. You probably know more about this than I do. It's a they're they're calling it a capsule. It's like a brand capsule, and it's a word that they've given to sort of I think like a sub brand or sort of a a particular flavor. Um, have you have you heard that term before? I have never heard that term before. Okay, I don't know what that <laughs> um, it seemed like it was like a retail brand thing, um, but I could mm-hmm. be also conflating it conflating it with that capsule trade show. Um, but yeah, they, at some point they had a name for like the style that they're going for this, and they they were calling it a capsule, which to me made it seem like it was something they could sort of like more easily change and update. But I I have no insight into the oh, your plan of Blackwing. I thought capsule in this case meant like all of the products around volume 155. That was the 155 capsule. Oh, maybe that was. It. I mean, I could be completely off. I just assumed that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if not, that's what it should be because that's pretty awesome. We have to get uh, Alex back on the show to explain to us their brand architecture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I just missed I, those little trees. Okay. I wonder how yeah, far they're going to take this. Are they going to yeah. like redesign all of the notebooks and the pencil cases and everything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next time they yeah, do. I wonder. Yeah, I guess they'll go that far. I wonder. Are they going to drop like? Are they going to drop like the Forest Choice? That's a Palomino branded pencil. Are they going <gasps> to not do that anymore? Oh, no. Because that is a really, really good, really inexpensive pencil. I would be devastated if they dropped know. that. It used to just say Forest Choice. They used to keep it really separate. Maybe they'll do that again. Yeah, I miss when I know Palomino not, was a pencil. It's not like because I know that like on their website it's all Blackwing stuff, and I um, yeah, it's not on their wholesale website anymore. Though I know it's still available. Um, I just hope they don't drop that because I guess that's like their last product that's not branded Blackwing. That's like its own thing. I'm gonna legit Everything cry else if they get Blackwing. rid of that. All right, all right that's, I, that's all. That's all I got. So all right, Johnny, how about you, Baron Pig? Johnny, go for it. <laughs> So uh, speaking of Baron Fig, they had a new release out called The Work Play 3, which is sort of a play on the first two, where it's a black notebook that inside is dot grid on the left and blank on the white for work and play. But um, I think think the first one was just black and had nothing on the cover. And the second one had this sort of symbol that was like a paper airplane and a pencil which was yeah. like really, really cool looking. So this one has dots that sort of fade from um, really thin to really big on the cover, which looks really cool. But the end pages, they fade from the bottom to the top and the top to the bottom, like one in the front, one in the back, which is a really nice detail. Hmm. But, you know, this is like a standard Baron Fig notebook. The size is perfect. Paper's nice. The construction's good. It smells good. <laughs> so um, I wonder... 
I wonder when they're going to bring those uh, elastic straps to some of their other confidants, the ones that they've been putting on like the structured content notebooks. Yeah, I don't know. This, yeah. um, I'm just glad they're making more black notebooks because this yeah. this particular form factor looks really nice in black. Um, yeah. And I have all three somewhere. I don't know where the other ones are. I used one of them or both of them. But um, it'd be cool to line them up and see if they're all the same black. Although yeah. I guess mine could have faded with, with use. But um, yeah, this is a really cool book. They sent... I. I guess we have to disclose that this was a review sample, yeah. but um, yeah, this is like, you know, Baron Figo usually makes a really nice looking notebook, but the black ones are extra special, yeah. I think. Yeah, and I like um, this a lot. yeah, um, do you have the other ones? Um, I I've had I still have the the workplay two um, sitting in a drawer, but I had a workplay one that I gave to a friend um, because he was really into the idea of a blank page and a dot grid page. So um, gave gave that to somebody else. Um, and then I still have two and three sitting around. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed uh, there are a lot of companies that sort of do this format. Like Moleskin has one. Oh, God. I don't know what it's called. But they're um, like the medium-sized notebook with a cloth cover and the paper is a little thicker than usual Moleskin paper. But yeah. the this one, the um, I feel like the dots are a little less dark than they usually are. And I mean that in a good way because you could just ignore them more than you can usually ignore them. Yeah. So I, I keep looking at this and just seeing a blank book, which is totally fine with me. Hmm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope that I hope they keep doing these. I like seeing how they can get them a little different, but they all still are definitely in the same vein, in the same design aesthetic, even more than Baron Fig usually is with itself. Yeah. Totally. Um, my only other fresh point is. I just stole this one. So we're announcing the pencil of the month for February, which I sort of blew also earlier. The Mitsubishi <laughs> 9852EW, the master writing pencil, which where, is... Where should somebody go on the internet if they wanted to find one of these? So if you want to get these, you can go on to CW Pencil Enterprise. What? And I would, So if someone were to buy a dozen, would you give them the, that cool box? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we in, in our fulfillment area, we un we have they're, they're like these compartments that are long and skinny, and the front half are unboxed, so they're just easier to pull. Um, and then we keep full dozens. But uh, when you do that, if you do that with any of the pencils, just always leave a note on your order, and we'll pay extra close attention to it because sometimes awesome. we just don't have any boxes. Yeah, this one is a particularly cool box. It's very good. And um, I mean, we'll talk more about what we think about it next week but it, you know it's a nice japanese natural wood pencil with a really pretty feral and a black eraser and green print it's lovely now i'm holding this and smell it it smells good i katie it's a sniffing katie, night she likes this one particularly because she really loves that black eraser that they have on it um i think it's a great eraser i i just i just love that sort of like purpley bronzy feral i think that just looks really lovely yeah and i think i drew my first tattoo with one of these so they're special hmm. that was like much ink ago <laughs> so actually if i were to get a pencil tattoo this would be a good one yeah uh-huh good. good to think about hmm. yeah yeah, so um, I can't wait to hear you talk about your first point because mine came, but I didn't get to play with it yet. Yeah, so I'll jump into my fresh points. Um, they uh, So speaking of Blackwing, which we were earlier, Blackwing just introduced a new um, 
long point single stage sharpener and uh it is really really good um unlike their two stage sharpener which is clearly a coom um two stage sharpener long point sharpener um this one is it's one stage it is a um slightly tapered uh point much like the pollux um but if i'm not mistaken the point is actually shorter than a pollux i, I wouldn't call this a long point um I I would say it's longer than usual, but not like super long. But it does have a noticeably uh, tapered point, which I really, really like. Um, and what's really cool about it is it comes, it's completely, it's matte black. It is um, custom machined to aluminum. And uh, the sharpener just like fits right into the cap of it. So um, it's really to kind of carry around. And it seems indestructible. Like I haven't stepped on it or thrown it at somebody or whatever yet. But uh, <laughs> I feel like I could and it would barely, barely make a scratch. Um, so, Johnny, you got yours today. Caroline, do you have one of these? I do not. Um, I didn't order one when they were first put online. I was kind of waiting to get them for the shop, which um, they're shipping to retailers in a couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll have them pretty soon. Oh, nice. Very nice. They um, they ran out of their first batch, like, man, pretty quickly, like within a couple of days, I think. Um, that was like the same day. Yeah, yeah. But they're so back in I'm, stock already. I kind of hopped on the... Um, Hopped on the ordering that for the... Oh, they're back in stock already. Nice. Yeah, they, they yeah. got back in stock today. So yeah. That's cool. Um, so like they weren't kidding uh, when they said they were coming. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I I noticed um, that they were so if anybody's interested in one, they're much bigger than it seems like they're going to be. Um, yeah. I I would say that they're probably like you know four inches long ish, um, <laughs> and maybe like the the radius of like my middle finger, and my thumb making a circle. Um, Tim, do you have did did you order one of these these single stage sharpeners? <laughs> I didn't. I, I've ordered one, but I haven't gotten it yet. So okay, I don't. Okay. I don't have it in hand. Yeah, they are um, seven centimeters long. Exactly. Okay, so I really like the the point it makes on it. It's not super long, uh, but it does have that noticeably kind of like curved shape. And it's. I would. I would say it's not quite as finicky as the Pollux is for doing that. So that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Wait, yeah. What are, what's the um, replacement blade situation? Is it like that's, their own blade? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. Um, they they put their they kind of like etched their that Blackwing logo onto the blade, mm -hmm. so they make it seem like it's their blade. Um, and I have just not yet been able to like pull that out and see how it sits and compares next to other ones. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out with some friends, um, you know, if this is like white labeled Coom or M and R or something like that, and we can't figure it out specifically because it seems like the like casing for it is like machined in with the like larger cap, um, the the piece that fits into the cap. So, if it is white labeled, the like they customize it out a lot. So, are they offering replacement blades on the? They will. They said. Yeah. They, they said will. They okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. So it. I can't identify if this is not completely completely custom made for Blackwing. Um, if it is, they did a really good job. I'm pretty uh, sure it is. Cause yeah, I, I, I remember Alex showed me an early prototype, like at least a year ago. Like they've yeah. been working on this for a really long time. Nice. Yeah. And, um, I, I just think it hits every point. And the, the other, the other thing that's amazing to me is, you know, maybe, maybe I've lost all sense of like how much things should cost by being into like fancy pencils, but like it's 20 bucks, which seems like a really reasonable price for a very nice sharpener to me. 
Yeah, I mean, this could last forever yeah, if you don't for lose sure. it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm. this is, I think, currently my favorite kind of like non-pencil accessory that Blackwing sells. You know, I've never been like a huge fan of the, the caps. Um, the notebooks are really nice, but like they, they're a lot more sort of like, you know, Aston Martin than I, than I need. They're really, really <laughs> high-end luxury notebook. Um, so, I, yeah, this, this, <laughs> this sharpener is my, yeah, I think my favorite accessory right now. From yeah, and the, the finish on it seems way more durable than the, um, the cap. Like the cap is that weird matte black where, you know, it leaves a lot of fingerprints and you can even scratch it with your fingernails. But this looks like, I don't know, the powder coating on some really nice yeah. eyeglasses or something. Totally. Yeah. They did a really I mean, good job with that. And the, if I were to give one piece of criticism to it, and this is specifically cause I'd be looking, I would say that it takes forever to unscrew and screw them. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> You're just turning and turning and turning and turning and you don't know when it's going to end. And finally it pops off. I wonder but, if that'll wear out the threads or if that'll make yeah. the threads more durable. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but all in all, really good job, Blackwing. Um, I can recommend this for sure. Um, and I do love that tapered point. I'll, I'll make sure we post a picture somewhere of like that really lovely tapered point. Yeah. I'm looking forward uh, to playing with mine tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to mention is uh, a quick update on the erasable squires. So, uh, finally, finally have a, um, a timeline for this. Um, so I'm, I'm getting a, as we record, it is, uh, Monday the third. Um, and I should be getting all of the squires, more than 300 of them to my house on Friday. <laughs> so, um, supposed to be getting that then. And then I'm going to do a bunch of labeling and a bunch of packaging and a bunch of mailing. And I'm hoping to get it out to everybody, um, by Tuesday or Wednesday, the, um, what is that, the 11th and 12th? I don't have my calendar. In that is me. ambitious. I think, I think I can do it. Um, oh, I know you can do it. <laughs> so, uh, yes. <laughs> You're not going to leave the country with all those and just like yeah. <laughs> find a remote island in the South Pacific and just enjoy right. all 300 of those. It would just sit with $11,000 worth of... <laughs> <laughs> keep trying to sell them to the locals be like i need yeah. food please buy these pens and they're like what no yeah no i i promise i'm not running off with with your pencils everybody i've, I've uh I've sent a big email out to all the squire buyers uh over the weekend squire and, buyers squire buyers and uh rumor has it that there are a few retail stores that should be having a small stock of them in so if you did not manage to um to snag uh one of them as they were for sale um I'm sure some will will make them their way to you. So, um, yeah, people will re reveal themselves. Yeah, it would have been cool if they came in a few weeks later. Like, while well, you guys were here, we could have had a packing party. Oh, yes, awesome. that would have been. Well, that I also don't, I'm not. Yeah, I definitely don't want to like you know haul 400 pens or what did I say 300 pens yeah. down to Baltimore. But yeah, I am super excited. I'm told they look really good. Jay from Baron Fig did not take a picture before he sent them off. Uh, I think that you know Baron Fig likes likes a little bit of theater in their unveiling, so you know they don't want to spoil anything. So yeah, excited about that. Um, awesome, nice. Should we should we jump into uh, should we jump into the main topic? Sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, so main topic today, um, we are here with our our good friend and semi regular uh, podcast guest, Caroline Weaver. Um, who is uh, now a published author for the second time, uh, this time with a book called Pencils You Should Know. 
A History of the Ultimate Writing Utensil and 75 Anecdotes. And this is published by the um, really fantastic San Francisco-based publisher, Chronicle Books, um, which I'm super excited about. They they have such beautiful, just like gorgeous-looking, compelling books. Um, my, my favorite, of course, being The Cats of Star Trek. Um, well, my old, <laughs> my old favorite being that, so of course, Caroline's book came out. So, <laughs> so um, Caroline, I, I assume anybody who might be listening to this podcast already knows who you are, but um, would you mind uh, just maybe setting a little context about yourself and your shop as if, you were never, as if you've never met us? Sure. Um, so I'm Caroline. I own a shop in New York City that specializes in woodcase pencils, of course. Um, I think we currently have pencils from... 17 different countries um and my entire shop is built around the well a love of the pencil as an object and also um and also as like as an object with a lot of history um and we kind of also function as storytellers in our shop as well as um pencil experts you can come in and we can recommend anything for any use um yeah, it's a very in- interactive shop. You can come in and test anything you want. You can hang out for the whole day. Um, it's it's a fun little place. Um, yeah, that's been open for almost five years. Uh, so this is book number two for us. That's amazing. So Caroline, can you tell us a little bit, bit more about this book um, and what it's about, besides, of course, pencils, right? Um, so this is more of a visual book. Uh, it is 75 photos of 75 different pencils, um, that are photographed and printed to scale. And it's more of a visual history, I suppose. They're, they're more or less in order and there are little anecdotes to go for each of them. It's more about their design history than like the history of their function or, um, their development necessarily. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very cute book. It's a more digestible version of my first book, which was pretty dense history. Yeah. So that if you could, I mean, your first book, the pencil perfect was, it was a great read and we had all those great hand drawn illustrations that were so amazing. And what was it that made you want to write something that was so different for this second one? What was kind of the, could you kind of fill us in on the point A to point B thought process of here's what the first one was and here's where I ended up for my, for my next idea. Yeah, so um, I was actually approached about doing this, doing just a book with no idea of what that book would be um, with Chronicle by Bridget Watson Payne, who um, is an editor there, though I just saw on Instagram today, she is now um, an editorial director, which is a very fancy job title. Um, But she has been a customer of my shop for a really long time. And she just kind of emailed me one day and was like, well, how do you feel about doing a book with us? And so... Um, we sat down together over dinner and kind of like hammered out what we thought that should be. And of course it needed to fit into like the, the chronicle repertoire of books, um, which are all really delightful and visually appealing and kind of like giftable. Um, and yeah, we obviously knew it had to be something that was primarily photos. Um, it was just a matter of what that would be. And I mean, a lot of my interest in this is based on history and I had long for a long time I had fantasized about having um a book about packaging 
maybe not mm. even just pencils, but like like mm-hmm. vintage stationary packaging. I have a really big collection of super old boxes, some of which are in display mm. in a case in the shop, and I love collecting them. That's very um, cool. And so that was kind of the jumping off point. And then we kind of realized like, well, that's like super specific pencil packaging. And so um, I got to incorporate some of the packaging into this book. It's not all like just the pencil. A lot of it, like you get some shots of some boxes. But um, yeah, that was kind of what that was based on. My um, desire to do a book about packaging. This was sort of the compromise. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I love some of the boxes that you have in there for sure. Um, so the pencils, the pencils that you included, how, how did you choose the ones that went in there? Uh, that's a good question. I, my personal collection is, I mean, probably very large by pretty much anyone else's standards, but, um, it's a little bit more pared back than I think a lot of people would expect from me as a pencil shop owner, but, um, because I like to use them. And, uh, so I kind of went through my own stash, figured out what I had. And then I reached out to Bob Truby, um, who we know from brandnamepencils.com. And he, he was so kind and so willing to work with me. And he, I basically went through his whole Mm -hmm. website and sent him a list of pencils that I wanted to borrow from him. Um, which he sent to me and, um, I kind of just edited it, edited it, edited it from there. Like it kind of needed to tell a story from like, it needed to tell a story chronologically. And there were a lot of like points that I needed to hit. Like, for example, like I definitely had to have some, uh, world war two era plastic ferrule pencils. I needed to have a lot of those like weird early 1900s, like giant elaborate ferrules. I needed to have, um, a certain number of like really niche novelty pencils. I, I kind of had a formula for like how many of each like genre of pencil and which, or which decade of pencil I wanted. Um, and so it was edited down from a lot of pencils and, um, yeah. And we photographed everything on colors, um, too, which was complicated because we had to match them all up. I literally like, this is the, the one of the most like analog things I've probably ever done. I like <laughs> took a set of pocket notebooks and um, took pictures of every single one and the different color background options for each pencil, depending on what color it was. And I numbered the books. I numbered all the pages and we just like glued them and unglued them and removed them and swapped them around and literally like glued these tiny pictures in with, with a glue stick until it made sense as a book. Um, <laughs> I still have them. I should find them and post them on Instagram. They were like really hilarious and really juvenile, but that was like the only way I could, I needed to visualize it. That was the only way we could do it. Um, wow. But yeah, it was, a, it was a big, um, it was a big process just selecting the pencils, pairing it down to 75, which is really not that many if you think about all the cool pencils that have ever been made in the history of the pencil. Yeah. So um, with this many stories, I mean, it seems like the kind of thing where, you know, even though each individual story is just a page that all together, this is like so much research and you have been there, like the dates of production. So what was your um, research method like for gathering all those stories? Well, to be honest, I did so much research for the first book. Um, I 
honestly use my my other book as reference for a lot of it for the stuff I couldn't remember, <laughs> especially, which is a terrible thing to admit. Um, no, I mean, there's a lot well. of information in that book, and I especially dates. I have a terrible time rem- remembering dates. Um, it was a really I had a really hard time tracking down dates for some of them, though. I got in touch with a few different companies or people who I thought might know. Bob helped me a lot with that, which kind of with kind of like guessing the dates or like rough estimate, like at least like a decade or something close for some of them. Um, on a lot of the older ones, um, the boxes have the patent number printed on them. And so you can search the patent number and find a date that way. Um, yeah, but it's the dates were hard. Um, and a lot of them were honestly just guesses based on like, I mean, they were very informed guesses based on what I know about pencil manufacture over the past 100 years. But um yeah, it was a lot of asking around. And honestly, like at this point, I feel like I've I've heard so many stories from other people or I've met so many so many people who grew up in pencil manufacturing families or people who work for old companies. Um yeah, it was it was really fun to write all the tiny stories because they're yeah. I have a lot of resources now to find that information. But I will say that there are a couple that like I really wanted to include. I wish I could think of a good example, but um, I don't have the book in front of me, but there are a couple that I really wanted to include that I just didn't really have a story for. Um, and so you'll notice that some of, some of the little stories are much longer than the others. Cool. I mean, visually the book is really, it's really striking. I mean, as you, you go through all these, these stories and could, could you talk a little bit about the, You've you've said a, a little bit about this, but could you go into a little more detail about the format of the book, like the layout and the dimensions, and how you worked with all this? I mean, the amazing photography mixed with your your great little you know your anecdotes and things like that. How did that um, come to be, or how did you come to that uh, decision as far as layout goes? Well, it was it was pretty immediate. Once Bridget and I kind of figured out what we wanted to do, I think it was her idea to make it like a long skinny book um, and that everything be to scale and be photographed really simply. Um, and I don't know uh, if you guys remember this book. There's a book that's just called Pencils that has a white cover with a single yellow pencil on it that was published by an Italian publisher a couple mm-hmm. decades ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we sell it in our shop, and it's a really wonderful visual history of many like really super old pencils. And the way that they shot it, it's like multiple ones on a page, and it's um, it's a it's a much more it's a very very beautiful but much more complicated format. And so I knew I didn't want I wanted I wanted it to be like the opposite of that. Um, because that already exists and they did a really good job of that book. But, um, yeah, it was always going to be a tall, skinny book. And I really wanted to do colored backgrounds, which, I mean, in hindsight, was a really frustrating decision because photographing <laughs> is really hard, especially yeah. on color. Um, and there are a couple that when I flip through it now, even I'm like, mm, picked the wrong color. That was definitely not the right one. But for the most part, I'm really pleased with how it turned out. So we played with some color swatches and yeah, picked out the colors we wanted. We want it to be like a really bright and colorful and fun book. It was very much the vibe of our shop too. Um, but when I was working on this, um, Olivia was working for me and she now lives in Florida. Um, she was our shop manager and she is like an actual photographer. And so we decided that we were going to work on this together. And so, um, she helped me figure out how to do it. And we, yeah, it was really nice to have somebody to work on it with. And we just made a habit for, I think it was like 
three months, we made ourselves a photography schedule and we both came to work like three hours early, um, like once or twice a week for like a few months just to like have the time to like go to the basement, set up our lights, set up our whole like photo situation and, um, just do it all, um, in the shop when we weren't working, it was, (laughs) um, a lot of work. But we we had a really long deadline. Like we really had plenty of time to work on it. So it was it was kind of fun. I think you're I think you're caring attention to the details show because as as you said, yeah, taking pictures of pencils is super hard and these look really phenomenal. So good job on that. Well, we can thank yes. Olivia for that. Thank you, thank Olivia, you, Olivia, for being a very good photographer. Yeah. <laughs> uh one thing I want to ask is uh how much uh, did Johnny pay you or did he somehow blackmail you to get that Wilpex in there? <laughs> I was hoping you would notice that. Um, <laughs> you know, I really do not like Wopexes, but <laughs> if that's even the right plural, yeah. I don't remember. Um, because I do not spend much time or energy talking about them or thinking about them. Um, crying over here. In all honesty, <laughs> it was necessary to the narrative. Um, and I respect that um every story has a dark part of its history (laughs) it's good to just kind of establish what that is and the kind of like where the frankenstein's monster comes out the unnatural stuff yeah yeah we had to get it all in there all types of pencils that were worthy of being discussed even if not well worthy by way of function um (laughs) well honestly Honestly, Yikes pencils are pretty crappy in performance, but they're definitely like such an important part of like the 90s and yeah. like kids history. So I, I get it. I get it. And yeah. I definitely think, yeah, like a pressure, like a stylus on the end of yeah. a Wopex. And they're not carcinogens one. too. So that helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah well, the, if, that, that's also the last. Did you know? So that's the last one in the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I felt like a little weird about making it the last one, and I questioned it a lot. But I think it was the right one. If we're trying to think of like a like a very much like a 21st century pencil, that's probably it. Put a stylus on the end of it. Uh huh. I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> I will also say that I um, I acquired a couple of like pristine unopened packs of Yikes pencils, and this is the one situation where the format wasn't really helping me because i really wanted to include the whole package because oh, yeah. they were like blister packed in these like really weird shaped like die cut package the packaging was amazing but yeah. it like was just too big it didn't fit in the frame that we needed to shoot um it would have thrown the whole scale off um and that was kind of a bummer but yeah had to break the pack yeah um what was one of your favorite stories slash pencils that were in the book Besides the Wopex, because you're sitting here writing on the document, that was really your favorite. And... Um, well, I shouldn't have read that, sorry. Yeah, nice try. <laughs> I, well, I'm really happy that we got to include a bundle of Thoreau pencils, which I did not actually get to touch and photograph. Um, that is an image photoshopped from um, some photographs that the Morgan Library very kindly gave us permission to use. Um, but... Personally, the one that I was really thrilled to include is one of my favorites, well, for nostalgic reasons, which is the miniature rock collection pencil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, I have a few of those. Yeah. They're weird. And they're so, like, specifically American and specifically of a very short period of time, even though they are still manufactured. Um, we had them in the shop for a while. And we put it in one of the pencil boxes, but we had some 
insane <laughs> quality control issues with those. I would love to get them again, but I'm a little bit scared. Um, but I love that pencil. And it is, I feel like a lot of people who read this book or who flip through it aren't going to know what that is already. And I'm really happy that that I can tell them what that pencil is. Um, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what a miniature rock collection pencil is, it is a pencil that used to be very common at uh, mostly at like museum shops, like natural history museums and stuff. And it's half pencil, half like clear plastic tube um, with an eraser in the end. And the tube is full of tiny, tiny like polished rocks. And you can take the eraser out and like dump all the rocks out. Um, it's super fun. And I spent a lot of time distracted by my miniature rock collection in class as a child. <laughs> I used to get them at the Natural History Museum in Pittsburgh with my grandma. Ooh. She'd buy I, used, them for I used to get them. Uh, my mom and I would go every year to the uh, Northern Indiana Rock and Mineral Show. Ooh. And yeah, so that's where I have a few of them from. I wonder if I still have any of those pencils. I need to check. But yeah, they're they're really great. I, I definitely used to dump them out and play with play with the rocks all the time. <laughs> Yeah, the the batch that we bought, like it's it's like a this is like a trademarked thing too. There is like a company that makes it, and its official name actually is Miniature Rock Collection Pencil. Um, that's what it's even like branded as. And they um, now glue the erasers in, which I don't remember uh... them being glued before. Like I think they came out easily. Like now you can still get it out, but you have to like get past all of like the crusty glue first. It's very disappointing. <laughs> Next time Ooh, I order yeah. them, I know to ask for like, please do not glue the erasers in. <laughs> yeah. So we, we know that, uh, uh, I guess Chronicle is making a companion piece to this book. Is that right? Can you talk about uh, a bit about the note cards that are related? Uh, yeah. So, um, Chronicle doesn't just make books. They also make a lot of like stuff. Um, like, I don't know, I kind of, like the kind of stuff you find in like a cute gift shop. Um, so they had us do a box of note cards, um, that we decided to do to kind of be like, if you follow us on Instagram, you probably know that every now and then we do these like really complicated, like really like organized geometric, colorful flat lays. And so the note cards, um, are a set of basically like 20 flat lays that we did for this book which honestly to that took way 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 longer than photographing the pencils for the book we spent so much time like straightening pencils with the ruler um <laughs> it's not easy um yeah that's probably that was probably the hardest part of making this book actually the note cards um yeah but it's just like a fun little companion thing they're really cute tiny note cards too and they come with um pink envelopes which i think are adorable yeah, I, I pre-ordered the book, but I think I might stop into the Chronicle bookstore um, just right on Market Street out here and pick up some of these note cards because they they look really really stunning. Um, so, Caroline, you you own a pencil shop. You do pencil collaborations. You've written two pencil books. What's next for you? When when, when are you going to sleep? <laughs> um, next week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, to be honest, I don't really know. It's, it's wild to me that all of these like crazy things have happened in the past five years and that I've had so many wild opportunities. I, at this point, like almost nothing that we've done has been like, as far as collaborations and like stuff outside of just like buying and selling pencils, um, None of it's been stuff that I've pursued. I've been so lucky that all of these projects and all these collaborations and all this stuff that we've done for the most part has been stuff that 
I've been approached about and that's really awesome. And I also know it's not going to be like that forever. Um, and I don't know, like, I'm just, I'm kind of happy to have a year of just like, being a normal shop owner. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, <laughs> I would like to have the time and the freedom to think about like what projects and what collab- collaborations I want to do. Like what brands do I want to work with who I haven't worked with already. And um, I've checked off a lot of like shop bucket list things, but I mean, on a really boring, like personal level, my real goal this year is to like learn how to be a more business savvy and more financially savvy business owner, because I haven't had time to even think about that in the past five years. It's just been a (laughs) struggle to like keep up. But, um, yeah, I'm really just, uh, trying to have a year where I can just like go to work every day and enjoy my shop and not have to worry about like the next deadline because there have been a lot of deadlines in the past few years. I hear that. Yeah. But, oh, and if anybody doesn't know, we currently have a little table at, um, the Whitney museum and their shop, which is a really fantastic museum shop and a really fantastic museum. Um, so if you're in New York, we have this little table where they even let me like glue one of those, uh, general pencil company, like how a pencil is made kits on the wall. Um, and I got to like write, write all this stuff on the wall and we have some sampler sets and some product that's just for, the Whitney, which was a really fun collaboration that we worked on last year, and that's continuing through most of this year. And on Saturdays, if you come between one and four, I am there with our Kingsley machine stamping pencils. Um, so that's kind of an ongoing project that has been a lot of fun. But um, that's really the only like out of the shop thing we've got going on this year. Nice. Do you uh, do you want to give us a hint uh, about maybe an upcoming pencil collaboration or anything new coming along? Don't worry, nobody listens to this; just us talking. Uh, <laughs> and if you don't, that's fine too. Is this, this is a trick. Put, putting you on the spot. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I I want to do some accessories this year. We've done a lot of cool pencils in the past few years, and for now, like I I feel like I've done all the ones that I like felt like I had to do. Um, like the baseball scoring one and the editor and the camel pencil last year, that was a really big triumph for me because that was something I'd been trying to make happen for a really long time. Um, yeah, I want to try to do some accessories this year and I have a particular product for birthday that I really want to happen. It's probably not going to happen in time if it does happen, but, um, we'll see. Well, um, Carolyn, is there anything that we, um, about the book or about otherwise that we didn't ask that you'd like to talk about? Mm, I don't think so. I think you guys covered it all. Lots of good questions. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, well, um, thank you first so much for, for taking some time and being part of this. I know you have a busy week. Um, would you care to tell us where people can find you on the internet and how people can get this book? So you can get the book from my shop, um, cwpencils.com or 15 Orchard Street in New York City starting this week or um, from your local bookstore. It should be pretty widely available um, or, well, from Amazon. Um, But go support your local bookstore. But go try that first or have them special order it for you too. Bookstores love doing that. It's totally fine. Um, and you can find my shop on Instagram at CW pencil enterprise online at cwpencils.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram if you're interested in lots of cat pictures at lady graphite, um, which, which I am and your cats are super adorable. 
They're pretty <laughs> cute. Yeah. 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 I love me a black and white cat. <laughs> well, again, Caroline, thank you so much for coming on. This has Yay! been a pleasure to chat it with you. So good to talk to you. Yeah. Hope we get to thank see you, you soon. Yeah. Um, so, um, before we uh, before we wrap this up, um, I do want to mention that you know Erasable um, does have a Patreon account, and we are um, we are now supported by some very generous members uh, who help keep us a in pencils and b on the internet, which is sometimes a very expensive thing. So, um, for those of you who are uh, pledging at the uh, producer level, I just want to want to thank you for doing so. Uh, and those people, of course, are Alex Jonathan Brown and Sipe Bobby Letzinger. Chris Jones, Chris Metzkis, Chris Ulrich, lots of Chris's, Dave McDonald, Dave Tubman, Fourth Letter, Gangster Hotline, Dr. Hans Noodleman, Jason Dill, Jay Newton, Joe Crace, John Bainan, Johnny Baker, Kathy Rogers, Caitlin Weens, Larry Grimaldi, Leslie Tuzo, Mary Collis, Measure Twice, Michael Hagen, Random Thinks, Sarah Hunter, Stuart Lennon, Tana Feliz, Think Travel Eat and Thomas Eckerberg Anderson. So thank you, thank you so much for supporting this show, um, Johnny. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, you could find me at pencilrevolution.com and on Instagram and Twitter occasionally at pencilution. And Tim, how about you? Before I get into that kind of stuff that nobody's going to actually follow me on, I want to stop and say that there's another book that came out recently that we we should mention at least once <laughs> on this episode. Yeah. Which is Writing is Designing, Words and the User Experience by Mr. Andy Welfley. So, and, and Michael and, Metz. So and Michael Metz. We got our, our you know, physical copies of that. And it is a beautiful book. So I just want to say uh, that before I... Thank you. Thank you. It's for sure not a, uh, not a book about pencils, but we do feature a very pencil-y design on the cover. Which, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, the cover is really... so good. Yeah, they did a good job. I, I'm trying to figure out how to get them to make prints out of that. And if I if I Ooh. do, I'll make sure y'all get one. Oh, that'd and be awesome. In yeah. the uh, acknowledgement section, the very, very nice writer thanked some co-hosts, which was super nice. <laughs> <laughs> For <So>. sure. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Couldn't could not mention that because it's, it's too exciting. So uh, yeah. just like a, a, a digital audio book release party dual book release party here so oh, um, yeah yeah so uh if you would like to follow me on the internet you can follow me on twitter at tim wassum i'm on instagram at timothy wassum and you can also follow my uh other podcast at membership pod on any of those uh services as well perfect and you can find me at uh uh andy.wtf or writing is um and then also um at a wellfully on twitter and instagram uh, this is the Erasable Podcast. Uh, we are coming to you from Erasable.us. Uh, being episode 133, uh, you can find show notes and the episode recording at Erasable.us slash 133. Uh, find us on our Facebook group. Uh, find us at our Facebook group, excuse me, at uh, Facebook.com slash group slash Erasable. And our Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram as Erasable Podcast. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Turn it off.